Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Ma'am, everyday Christianity. Life is hard, but God is good. My heart goes out to people, especially this time of year when we're wishing people a Merry Christmas, a Happy Christmas. And some Christians struggle with not only Christmas, but year-round, because they find it hard reconciling the fact that life can be hard, and yet understanding that God is good. They have a difficult time with that, and some people that have a difficult time with that have experienced, in some cases, particular hard times or hard events in their life. And it's to you that this message is dedicated to this morning. Because I think with the proper understanding and insight into God's Word and looking at the big picture, when you just look at your life and the issues of your life and your hurts and your pains, you you might not have the proper focus If you think that by God being good means he's never going to let anything bad happen, if that's your idea of good, then your idea of good is wrong. So we've got to properly understand this morning what is good, what is truly good, particularly in a world that is sinful, in a world that is literally cursed. So I'd be real pleased if the Lord blesses you this morning And you go away with a broader understanding, a biblical understanding of what's going on that will give you a new and more mature perspective where you're not confused, you're not angry at God, you you get it, if you will. We'll start in Romans 8, chapter, verse number 28. It's a passage that may be one of the most familiar to Christians. It says, And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And again, some people have problems with that. You mean my mom dying was good? You mean, you know, abuse is good? No, no, that's what we got to study this morning. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Are you already beginning to change your view and understand it just with that? When a cowboy applied for an insurance policy, the agent asked, Have you ever had any accidents? After a moment's reflection, the cowboy responded, No, but a bronc did kick in two of my ribs last summer, and a couple of years ago, a rattlesnake bit me on the ankle. Wouldn't you call those accidents, replied the puzzled agent. No, said the cowboy, they did it on purpose. (laughs) That story reminds us of a biblical truth, that there are no accidents in the lives of God's children. And that, even though the Christian life is the best life there is, and even though we avoid a lot of the circumstances that 
sinners that are into sin don't avoid, bad things can happen to good people and to God's children. Many believers struggle with the idea that life can be hard. Some people believe that because life can be hard that God is not good. They cannot reconcile. And that's, I can understand that. That would be a challenge to the ill-informed. Some think because I was abused as a child, God cannot be good. Because I had a miscarriage, God cannot be good. Because my parents divorced and it hurt me so badly, God cannot be good. Because a man goes into a church in Texas and kills innocent worshipers, God cannot be good. Because God didn't answer my prayer and heal my loved one, he can't be good. People dying in tornadoes, earthquakes, cannot be good. Because there are wars and because there are terrorism, you know, God is not good. They think if God were good, these things would not happen. And when you come to that false conclusion, that ill-informed conclusion, that can cause frustration, anger, depression in a believer's life. Understanding that life is hard can really cause some unbelievers to doubt that God is good and can cause some believers to question their faith. So here's the message this morning in a nutshell. Not reconciling the idea that life can be hard, and at the same time, God can be good, can cause lost people to reject the idea of God. And that may be you here this morning. You may be here this morning, and you're not a Christian. You've doubted all this, and this may be one of the reasons you've doubted. Because, you know, I can't be a Christian, because the God of Christianity can't be good. Well, not reconciling the idea that life can be hard and at the same time God can be good can cause lost people to reject the idea of God and can cause saved people to be angry with God. Reconciling that life is hard and God is good at the same time provides a mature understanding that gives peace to your soul and greater blessings to your life. Falsely concluding that because life is hard, God can't be good, flies in the face of what the Bible says. The Bible acknowledges both. doesn't sweep anything under the rug. It acknowledges that life can be hard. But that does not deny one whit that God is still good. Look at that verse again, verse number 28. And we know that all things, even hard things, I've inserted that, work together for good, I've inserted because God is good, to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Now, verse 28 will make more sense to you when you read it in context. You never want to take any verse of scripture and isolate it from its context, because the context helps to define the verse, helps us to understand the verse. So to understand verse number 28, you have to read on verse number 29. What does verse 28 say? And we know that all things work together to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse number 29, here's the explanation. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We understand in these two verses that God is not the cause of bad things. Yes, God does in his sovereignty allow bad things. For the believer, he orchestrates these bad things to make us more like Christ. He didn't cause the evil in the world, but in his divine sovereignty and wisdom, he has, no doubt about it, allowed it. But for a Christian, we need to understand all things work together for good. Even bad things work together for good to conform us to the image of Christ. We are sinners. We are difficult. We can be hard-headed. We can be selfish. We can be addicted. We can have all these horrible tendencies in us, and the Lord has to take a hammer and a chisel if he's going to make us like Christ. And he will take those hard things that he has allowed, not cause. We cause them. Very important to understand. We cause them. Don't be mad at God. Don't be mad at God for the curse. It's mankind that causes. We'll get into that in a second. For the believer, he orchestrates these bad things to make us more like Jesus. Look, parents will discipline their children. They allow, in fact, sometimes they inflict pain on their children. It may be physical pain with a swat on the bottom, or it might be, you know, emotional pain, go to your room. But why do parents allow their children to experience pain? They are doing it for the benefit of their children. Why does God allow us to experience pain? Not because he's bad, but because he's good. And he's wanting, according to verse number 29, conform us to the image of Christ. A good parent is not bad for disciplining his or her child. God is not bad when he allows us to experience disappointment, pain, or suffering. I like this insight from Daniel Wallace. He says, when we read Romans 8.28 in its context, we can give a positive answer to the question of pain and suffering in the world. We may see nothing good come of misery and disaster in this world, but this world is not all of reality. You got that? We may see pain and suffering. We think that's it. That's not all of reality. That's a part of reality. There is an until. There's a place beyond the horizon of what our senses can apprehend, and it's more real and more lasting than what we experience in this mortal shell. God is using the present, even the miserable present, to conform us to the image of His Son. If we define the good as only that what we can see in this life, then we have missed the whole point of the text. See how valuable it is to be in church, folks? That's why I hurt this morning for people that are not here. They're not hearing this, and they're going to suffer for it. You're hearing it, and I commend you for that. You're getting a biblical perspective on what it means, which is going to make you so much more mature in the Lord, and you're not going to be depressed at Christmas. Even though you're, you're going through some difficulties, you understand that God is good because it's more than what you can just see right here and what you feel and what you want and what you desire. There is a big picture here. It's the cacophony of God's will for this world and for you. Folks, there's an Old Testament character that reflects this. Joseph, 
back in the Old Testament, understood this in relation to all the pain he experienced in his life. Remember, Joseph was done in by his brothers. As I've said before, you know, we all have bad days. It's a bad day when the car don't start. It's a bad day when the refrigerator breaks. That's a bad day. Let me tell you, a really bad day is when your family sells you into slavery. Now, that's a bad day. You know, I, I hate when that happens. <laughs> I just hate. I just hate that. So that was bad. A lot of pain inflicted on Joseph. But he had the big picture in view. He knew God. He thought about it. He wasn't just in his narrow little, little world. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass it this day to save much people alive. There may have been people do you evil, but God meant it for good. Maybe your family did you evil. An employer did you evil. A friend did you evil. Somebody took advantage of you physically, emotionally, financially, whatever it might be. They meant it for evil. But God allowed it for a reason. Look beyond that. He meant it for good. Look at the big picture. I love this little poem, I guess you would call it. The trials we're going through can be misunderstood unless we realize that God works all things for our good. Let me give you three examples. I want you to get the big picture this morning. Let me give you three examples of why life is hard but God is good. And understanding this will give you joy and it will renew your faith in God. Number one, life is hard because the world is cursed. But God is good in that he will deal with the curse. Understand. Life is hard because the world is cursed. Genesis 3.16, go all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Don't be mad at God. Man is the reason the world is cursed. What did God do? He created Adam and Eve. Put them in the Garden of Eden. One rule, don't eat of this tree. And by that, they could demonstrate to him, by not eating of that tree, that they, that they loved him. He made them free moral agents. He didn't make them robots. You want to be a robot? You want to be programmed by God? No, he gave us a free will. That's a wonderful, wonderful gift, which means we could choose to love him, we could choose to be obedient to him, or we could choose to defy him, which is what they did and every man since then has done, you and me included. And God is just in punishing sin. Suppose Adam and Eve had snubbed their noses at God and God just said, I don't know what to do. No, you don't do that. You don't do that, and we don't do that either. He is just in punishing sin. He was good to them. I mean, he looked at the world at the end of his creation and said, it is good. He is good. He did good. And he gave us a wonderful gift of choice. And as a free moral agent. And when Adam and Eve sinned, and every man and woman since then have sinned, it was only right that a holy and just God judge this world. And life got really, really hard, which includes natural disasters, 
man-made disasters, accidents that take loved ones unexpectedly. That's the way it is, folks. And we bear responsibility for that. Now, understand, though, that even though that is the case, God is good because he will deal with the curse. He will deal with the curse. Revelation 21.3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. This is the second coming of Christ. He's coming again. He's going to make it all well. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. God, in spite of this curse, is good in that he is going to come back and fix it. He is good. He was good in that he was just to judge it. And when time has run its course, he will be just and good to fix it. And he will establish his kingdom. One preacher asked, is Paul saying whatever happens is good? Going back to Romans 8, 28. Is Paul saying whatever happens is good? Whatever happens, that's good? No. Is he saying that suffering and evil and tragedy are good? No. Is he saying everything will work out if we just have enough faith? No. Is he saying that we will be able to understand why God allowed tragedy to come? No. Then he says, what then is he saying? He is erecting a sign over the unexplainable mysteries of life, a sign which reads, quiet, God at work. That's where we trust God. How is he at work? We're not always sure. Preachers find that question when we're doing funerals of a young person in a car accident or somebody that takes their lives. We're we're very small in this whole equation. Important to God, dear to God, but we don't have the mind of God. And we're not always sure. This same writer went on to say this on the screen behind me. When Paul says that all things work together for good, he is not saying that the tragedies and heartaches of life will always produce a better set of circumstances. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. We'll have more to say about that in a second. But God is not committed to making you healthy, wealthy, and wise. He is committed to making you like his son. We're committed to being healthy, wealthy, and wise. He is committed to making us like his son. And that, that's understanding the big picture. That helps you to understand why bad things happen. And why all things that happen work together for good. He is committed to making you like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever it takes to make you more like Jesus is good. So it is in the providence of God that we learn more in the darkness than we do in the light. We gain more from sickness than we do from health. We pray more when we are scared than when we are confident. Is that not true? It's just true. God knows us. He knows our nature. Number one, life is hard because the world is cursed, but God is good in that he will deal with that curse. Number two, life is hard because everyone around you, us, is a sinner. But God is good because God can use this situation in positive ways. Even though we've sinned, 
even though we blew the Garden of Eden. Because had we been there, had it been Glenn and Sharon instead of Adam and Eve, we'd have blown it too, especially her. I mean, boy, she would have really... No, just, just kidding. We need to understand that, yeah, life can be hard because everybody around us is a sinner. Romans 5.12 says it. I believe it. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's Adam and Eve, and death by sin, that's the curse. And so death, the curse, passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And as a part of the curse, we need to understand that all those sinners out there can hurt us. Sometimes they hurt us in mass, okay? Wars, you know, Japan, a mass of people hurt us. Bombing, Pearl Harbor, you know, Germany, the Jews, and warfare against innocent people. Those, those are all sinners. And, or, or sinners can hurt us individually. You know, a family member can hurt you. A co-worker can, can hurt you. You know, life is hard in that sense because we are living in a cursed world and everyone around us is a sinner. In this day and age, most everyone around us, it's doubly bad because they are lost sinners. But even at that, understand this morning that God is good because sinners can be used and be affected in positive ways. Think about it. God can use sinners to draw us closer to God. Again, what did Joseph say? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. God used it to bring the pass that it is this day to save much people. So yeah, life can be hard because of sinners. That can be ungodly family members that abuse in, in so many ways, and you've been badly hurt, but understand that God can use those people to make us more dependent on Him. And, and we can be used to draw those sinners closer to God. Mark sixteen fifteen, and He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So, life is hard because we live in a sin-cursed world. And we live in a world filled with sinners that we have to deal with every day. But God is still good because he can use those sinners as a chisel, perhaps, to teach us patience, to teach us compassion, to not be so full of ourselves. Or he can use us to influence those sinners. I read this recalling his boyhood days. A Christian tells how he often watched his mother bake cakes. One day when she had all the ingredients set out, flour, sugar, baking powder, raw egg, vanilla, he sneaked a taste of each one. And he said, except for the sugar, they all tasted horrible. But then his mother stirred them together, put the batter in the oven. He said, it didn't make sense to me, he recalls, that the combination of individually distasteful things produced such a tasty product. He concludes that God likewise takes all the undesirable stresses in our lives, mixes them together, puts them under the heat of crisis, and produces a perfect result. You need to remember when you're dealing with the hard things of life that it pleases Satan greatly when you get frustrated, when you get angry at God, and when you doubt the goodness of God because that's exactly the tactic he used in the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. 
not trusting God, not believing God. Hath God said, and in essence, not doubting, not only doubting God's word, but doubting God's goodness. You don't want to be, be deceived like Adam and Eve. You need to understand that God is good. Life is hard because the world is cursed, but God is good in that he will deal with the curse. Life is hard because everyone around us is a sinner, but God is good because he can use that situation in positive ways. And lastly, number three, life is hard because you're a sinner. But God is good because he saves and sanctifies sinners. Life is hard because you're a sinner. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We are born sinners. I mean, you've heard it, those of you that have been in church for years, you know, the fact you don't have to teach children to be selfish. Mine, I want it. Or, you know, you draw the line, don't step over this line. And what's your inclination? Step, step over the line. We're all sinners, and what we need to understand that we experience hardness in life because there are consequences. Our, our sins have consequences. Don't be mad at God. Don't think that God isn't good. I mean, you're the one that decided to do what you did against the Word of God, against the pastor, against your parents' will, or whatever it might be. You know, life can be hard because we are sinners. And there are consequences to our sins. But understand this morning that God, nonetheless, is still good. Because God saves us from sin. God saves us from the power of sin. You do not have to be involved in what you used to be involved in. You don't have to suffer the consequences of your selfishness or your arrogance or your pride. Romans 6.12, Paul writes, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Don't let it be in control that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as the instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Folks, God is good. That's good because we tend to self-destruction. We tend to selfishness and pride and going after things. I mean, people go after cigarettes and they know it causes cancer. They go after booze and they know not only does it hurt you physically, but it hurts you emotionally and hurts you spiritually and it hurts your family. But God gives you power over that. So while you are a sinner, and that's hard, understand that God saves us from the power of sin, and ultimately God saves us from the penalty of sin. There's a penalty to being a sinner. It's a big one. Look, God does everything right. His judgment on sin is right. He wouldn't be a good God if he didn't judge sin. You wouldn't be a good judge if somebody stole everything from you and they had it over in their house, and the judge says, well, that's okay, you can keep it, and you quit complaining. You know, no, it, it is right that a judge would say, you're going to give it all back and you're going to jail for whatever. It's called justice. It's called righteousness. 
God saves us from the penalty of sin. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. God's good. Especially when you consider that we're sinners and we live among sinners and that this world is cursed. When you look at the big picture of where it's all going, how it's all going to end, and God trying to conform you to the image of his son, don't be mad at God. Don't doubt God. He's way smarter than any one of us. Let me read this to you. Most of us have probably heard someone, perhaps yourselves, applying Romans 8, 28, something like this. Now listen carefully because I may have even made this mistake. This was convicting when I read this, so listen carefully. Don't be distracted. Most of us have probably heard someone applying Romans 8, 28, something like this. This is going to give you a more mature understanding of this verse, and when you grow in maturity, you grow in peace. Someone may have said it like this. Yes, you may have lost your job, but you can be sure of getting an even better one because all things are working for good. Or don't be upset about your fiancé breaking off your engagement because God must have an even better life partner for you. And that all sounds good, and you've heard that quoted to you perhaps before, but you know what? It doesn't always work out that way. He goes on to say the difficulty with this application is that it interprets good from a narrow and often materialistic and selfish perspective. From God's perspective, and listen to this, from God's perspective, good must be defined in spiritual terms. The ultimate good is God's glory, and he is glorified when his children live as Christ and did and attain the glory he has destined them to. Even as Christians, we think in selfish terms. Well, you lost that job, but all things work together for good. You're going to get a better job. Maybe that's not what God is after. If you're missing the point that he wants you to grow in faith. He wants you to grow in maturity. As verse number 29 says, Romans 8, 29. It's all about you becoming like Christ. That is his ultimate goal, and when we understand that, that should be our ultimate goal. And when bad things happen, when we go through the hard things of life, we're not mad at God. We might get frustrated with ourselves. I guess God's having to bear down on me because I'm just being bullheaded. And I still want to do my thing. And I don't want to go to that conservative church. And I, I want to go to a church where I can have it both ways. I can, you know, say I've been to church and do whatever I want on Friday and Saturday night. And there's plenty of them out there, folks. But that's not going to conform you to Christ. That's going to conform you to the world. So understand, life is hard because the world is cursed. But God is good in that he will deal with that curse. Life is hard because everyone around us is a sinner. But God is good because he can use this situation in positive ways. Number three, life is hard because you are a sinner, but God is good because he saves and sanctifies us sinners. Again, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. 
Why does the Lord allow bad things to happen? Because this is a sin-cursed world. But because he is God, he can take that and use it for your benefit. Final little story and we're done. It was Christmas Eve in Obendorf, Austria in 1818. Joseph Moore, the pastor of the church, had written a new song for the Christmas Eve service. And the organist, Franz Gerber, had set it to music. But the organ in the village church broke down. So Gerber grabbed a guitar and accompanied Moore in the first ever rendition of Silent Night. The story doesn't end there, however. When a man came to fix the organ, Gerber tested it by playing the new song. The repairman who came to fix the organ liked the song so much that he took a copy of it back to his village. There, four daughters of a village glove maker learned the song and began singing it in concerts all over the region. Because of that faulty organ, this new Christmas song blessed people all over Austria and eventually around the world. When things break, our plans change. How should we respond? Often we fret and worry because we don't have the control we would like to have. That's when we need to step back, trust God, and wait to see how he is going to use the situation for his glory and your maturity. The changes in our lives may not give the world something as remarkable as silent night, but because God is in charge, we can be sure that all is calm and all is bright. Life can be hard. Now, I think the average Christian life isn't nearly as hard as the average unsaved life, but we still live in that same cursed world that the unsaved lived in, and you hear me say it all the time, yes, even our car batteries go dead. That's never a blessing. But understand that God is working it for good to mature you. Don't be angry at God. Nobody's making light of the difficult things he's allowed you to go through, but you have to trust him. You, you have to trust his word, that it's working together. Don't, don't be so angry at God that you're missing the good that he's trying to accomplish in your life. We'll close with this. You can know beyond all doubting in the trial you're passing through that our God's great love and mercy is it work for good in you. God has a purpose in our heartaches. The Savior always knows what's best. We learn so many precious lessons in every sorrow, trial, and test. Don't be angry at God. Look at God for who He truly is. He is good. We mess this world up. But he loves us enough to see us through it with his help and us, even in this crazy world, growing in maturity like his son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at Church. Dot com. Thanks for listening.